This episode is brought to you by Text Expander. If you're like me, then you find that when you're texting or sending emails, there are certain things that you end up typing repetitively, like email addresses, phone numbers, common message replies, and you just wish that there was a way to send it faster. That's where Text Expander comes in. It works everywhere you type, like word processors, emails, messaging apps, and online forums. You can even use it as Teams if you have snippets that you want to manage for your company. Visit textexpander.com slash podcast for 20% off your first year. That's textexpander.com slash podcast. This is The One Thing Podcast, where we teach you the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. I'm your host, Jeff Woods. Over the last few months, you've heard a very common theme, a theme of habits. There's a reason for this, folks. When we ask the question, what's the one thing we can focus on right now that would make everything else easier or unnecessary for you? It would be to give you the tools and resources so that you can form habits that stick. When we talk about what it really means to live the one thing, it's identifying your one thing, time blocking it, protecting that time block, and doing it to the point that it becomes habitual. To the point that it would feel weird if you just reacted through your day to all the emails, all the meetings, and all the hey God a minutes. You want to live a life by design? People don't decide their futures. They decide their habits and their habits decide their futures. That's why this month, instead of interviewing a best-selling author on our One Thing webinar series, we decided to have a conversation about why 66 Days Can Transform Your Year. We have been working very closely with the people in our Living Your One Thing community to support them as they go through a 66-day challenge. And we wanted to do a webinar for the people who were not in the community, the general public, so that we could share some best practices so that you could identify one thing and get started. That is what you are about to hear in this episode. If you would like the support of a community who's going on a 66-day challenge with you, then consider checking out Living Your One Thing. You can go to theonething.com slash habits to learn more. That's theonething.com with the number one in the URL, theonething.com slash habits. And if you'd like to join us for our upcoming webinar, we are going to have on a friend of mine named Patrick Sweeney. Patrick is a full-time adventurer and author of a brand new book called Fear is Fuel. This dude I got to hang out with in... Uh, we spent a weekend in Martha's Vineyard for an event we were at called Relentless MV. And this thing was incredible. The dude has faced some insane fears and he's going to walk us through how we can transform our fear into fuel. You'll have a chance to be with him live in the upcoming month. If you go to the onething.com slash webinar, you can learn more about that and sign up and join us live. With that, let's get into this episode. Eating healthy is an investment. It's an investment in yourself, but it also often requires an investment of your time. But good news is Factor has delicious ready-to-eat meals that are ever fresh and never frozen. They're chef-created, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With Factor, you can choose from a weekly menu of up to 35 options, including popular things like Calorie Smart or Keto Direction or Protein Plus or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover 60 more add-ons every week like Breakfast on the Go, lunch snacks, beverages to help you stay fueled, feel good all day. And we know our listeners here at The One Thing are focused on health and health goals. That's why we choose to partner with Factor. And if you visit factormeals.com slash 150 and use code 150, you can get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Again, that's factormeals.com slash ONE50 and use code ONE50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month.
All right, everyone, welcome to our One Thing webinar series, the first webinar of 2020. Welcome to the new decade. We are so excited to be on this journey with you. And today, uh, I've got my co-host, Kaylin Less, with me. We might have another, another, another person <laughs> stopping in. We'll see how that works out. But uh, K- Kaylin, why don't you kick us off here? Well, thanks for joining us. We at our Living Your One Thing community are doing a 66-day challenge to kick off the year. And as we were discussing like how to kick off this year in many different ways, I said, you know, we wanted to join you in this conversation. So Jeff, why are we having this conversation? Yeah. So usually we we only do one of these a month. We do one one thing webinar a month. And the the track record is that we bring on a best-selling author, somebody who has a book that we support that we think is aligned with the one thing to expose you to their ideas. And when we, we meaning Kaylin, Jay, and myself sat down, we said, what's the most value we could bring you? And we realized it wasn't somebody else. It, was, it wasn't bringing you something new. It was reminding you of something true. And that is the FM Alexander quote that people do not decide their futures. They decide their habits. And their habits decide their futures. I'm curious, how many of you have ever gone on a 66-day challenge? If so, put the number 66 in the questions box. And if not, just go ahead and do a little question mark. All right, beautiful. Kaylin, for those those of us who are newer to the one thing, what is a 66-day challenge? So a 66-day challenge, basically all the research, there's a lot of research out there in the world on habit formation. And the average number of days that it takes to form a habit is about 66. I think, Jeff, do you remember the scope? It can be anywhere from like 18, 18 to even like 235. 54. 254. Yeah. And really that's repetitions. So in 60 repetitions of that habit, in general, you can form any habit. So we take a 66 days and we track it. And we have a calendar that you can download on our website. And that becomes a tool for both committing to those 66 days tracking those 66 days and building a power habit. Yep, that's right. That's right. So we figured since it is a new year and it is a new decade, folks, we don't decide our futures. But what we can do is decide the habits that we will form and allow those habits to decide our futures. We heard a, uh, a podcast interview that Gary Keller did recently, and he shared the, the most powerful habit that he has formed in his life over six decades is the habit of forming habits. He's just gotten really intentional about um, casting a big vision for his life. And once he casts that vision, he thinks really big. And then he says, great, what's the habit I can form so that I would become the type of person who attracts amazingly talented people into my world, who can create abundance and make an impact in the world through nonprofits and whatever it may be, who has a deeply connected and growing relationship with my wife. These are these are things he's gotten very intentional about. And instead of just relying on his discipline and willpower, he has formed habits, which um, I'm curious, how many of you prior to the one thing, prior to being exposed to these ideas, when you saw something you wanted out of your life, instead of just taking action and like using brute force and will to get there, said, oh no, I'm just going to form a habit and make it automatic. How many of you did that? My hand does not go up, by the way. So that's that's the opportunity we have is let's remind you of something that's true. How many of you set goals coming to the end of this year? If so, go ahead and put me in the questions box. Otherwise, do a question mark. We got a lot of me's out there in, yeah. in the audience. So what I want you to do for all of you who did set goals, think of one goal that really matters to you. 
it's big, maybe scares you a little bit. Maybe it's important and you're not sure that you're actually going to be able to accomplish it or not. But what would that goal be? Go ahead and share that with us. I'd love, I'd love to see it. Jeff, what was, what's that goal for you? Well, it's it's when I'm on a 66 day challenge now, but this this is the year that I know I have to shift the person that I am. I have to change um, how I show up as a leader. I have to change how I show up as a husband. I have to change how I show up as a father. Instead of doing it entrepreneurially, which is what I've done my entire life, just leveraging my natural skill sets, and it's gotten me far, you know. Great wife, great kids, great company, great coworkers. And there's a ceiling over my achievement in my marriage. There's a ceiling over my achievement as a father. There's a ceiling over my achievement as a leader. And when I ask the question, great, people do not decide their futures. They decide their habits and their habits decide their futures. What's the one habit I can form that if I did that would actually serve me in all those areas? And I got very clear on what that was. Wow. And I'm sure as we look at all these goals that people just entered in, some of them are big goals, like eliminate debt, creating a culture of leadership. Uh, wow. There are so many big ones. What other ones do you see, Jeff? Earning $2.5 million. <laughs> yeah. So uh, a certain number of transactions, growing the team. You know, these, these are all, they're great. And so when you look at those for whatever that goal was for you, What's the habit that if you were able to form that habit, if you were able to do one thing and it became habitual, would make achieving that goal easier or unnecessary? That's where some people can have a little bit of a disconnect. So the purpose of this webinar is to show you how 66 days truly can transform your year. And our hope is that by the end of this this webinar, that if you are not already in the middle of a 66-day challenge, that you choose to accept it and you go on it so that we fast forward hopefully about 10 weeks from now, you can have a keystone habit that truly can alter your future. We have a community called Living Your One Thing. And these are people who are highly committed to living the one thing at the highest level where we do weekly 411s. Every month we come together and we we do coaching around it. We, at the beginning of this year, decided to lock arms and go on a 66-day challenge together. So we, we, we thank those of you who are on this journey. And for those of you who are not um, yet on the journey, we would welcome you to join us. And you can learn more about that by going to the one thing.com slash habits. So let's let's talk a little bit about some of the challenges that people have when they go into a 66-day challenge, Kaylin. Yeah. So what we've found is that the idea of a 66-day challenge is really exciting. That you can form a power habit in 66 days is both inspiring. And especially at the beginning of the year, we find that we were pretty motivated to get gung-ho about our future. And so the challenge, though, is that there are a few pitfalls that you can fall into. And one of the first ones is that people often ask me, well, can I... I need to change a lot of areas of my life. What if I have like two challenges? Maybe one in my personal, one in my professional. Or maybe what if I do a whole a habit in one of every of the seven circles? What if I just do that? So that's a big question that I get asked. And what do you, what do you say about that, Jeff? So I'm curious, how many of you have ever found yourself asking... Can I do more than one at a time? I'll share this a personal story. When I first moved my family to Austin, and Jay told me the fastest way that I could get out of business with, with him and Gary was to not live the book. He said, the book's about habits. So go on a 66-day challenge. And he showed me page 114 of The One Thing. And he said, Jeff, these are the seven circles. You've got your, your spirituality. You've got your physical health. 
You've got your your personal life, your your key relationships, your job, your business, your finances. When you look at those seven circles, if you had to pick one to form a habit in first, which would it be? And I looked at them and I'm like, oh shoot, I need to do physical health. I need to do relationships. I need to do I need to do all of them. And he goes, okay, Jeff, what's the title of the book? And I went, very cute, Jay. The one thing he said, yeah, if you can only choose one. I said, well, I really need to choose. I really need to do two. He said, Jeff, if you could only pick one, but Jay, I needed to do two. Jeff, pick one. And that's that's actually how the conversation went. Um, and I struggled with that because I, I told myself I need to do two. Uh, but I came to a very powerful realization and it was an experience that I'm about to walk you through right now. I want all of you to think about the five years prior to being introduced to the one thing. How many truly life-changing, positive habits did you form in the five years leading up to you being introduced to the one thing? Put that number in the questions box. And I'm going to write something down. I see zero, zero, one, one, two. Oh, I got four, but most of these are under two. The majority of the answers are zero. What I wrote down was zero to two. And the reason I was able to write that down was because at this point, we've probably asked this to about 20,000 people. And we know that the average is somewhere between zero and two. We always have outliers like that person who said four. But most people in five tiers collectively form somewhere between none to two really powerful habits. And when I asked myself that question, I realized my answer was two. And the reason for that is because I said, oh, I'm going to do these three things every single day and make it a habit. And when I had zero track record of doing any of them, all of a sudden, I'm doing two of the three every single day. Massive progress. Yet I feel like a failure every day because I made the bar too high. And that's why the idea of the one thing is to think big, yet go small and trust that the dominoes will fall. It is natural to look at all the areas of your life and to say, oh my gosh, I, I need to do all these. Yet the book is called The One Thing for a reason. And so for any of you who have ever found yourself saying, I need to do one for business and I need to do one for personal, or I need to do my finances and I need to do my health, we would really encourage you to, to say, if you could only start with one, which would it be? And prove to yourself that you can actually, for, for, for many of us, for the first time in our life, intentionally choose an area, form a habit. Once you do that, it's like you're seeing the world in color for the first time when you've been living in black and white. Because now you can intentionally decide your future by acquiring a power habit. It's powerful. It's, a, it's an amazing like self-awareness when you start to realize what you're capable of. And then what you're capable of just gets bigger. Yeah, and, and to tie it off with a bow, in my five years prior to joining this company, I had formed two habits. Yet in my first year, I formed four. It took me five years to form two because I focused on too many. And when I started focusing on one at a time, I formed four in just one year. So Jeff, Debbie has a good question that she asks, so if I choose business revenue, am I ignoring my health? And just because you're choosing something to focus on doesn't mean that you ignore everything else, right, Jeff? Yeah. 
That's that's correct. So uh, Debbie, we I mean we all have more than one thing, right? And we've got enough time in the day to do so many things. But what you're doing here is you're making a stand that the mark of success is on that one thing. Is on that if your habit is for for driving business revenue, and let's say that one thing is making one call a day before you check your email. It's not saying that you don't go to the gym for 66 days. It's just saying you earn an X on your 66-day challenge calendar, or you earn the right to, to check a day off on your planner if you made the phone call. That's the mark of success. That's the thing that you're tracking. Great question. What, what are the other pitfalls that people fall into? The common, common things that get in the way of success? Yeah. So the the next one is they go too big. So the first one was um, we we they, we try to do too many of them at the same time. The second is we we think big and then we act big. And a very common one for this is um, so Caitlin, share some of the data from from our community from Living Your One Thing of we've got a thousand people that are doing this, and statistically seventy percent of the people are focusing on three specific areas. What are they? They're well, let's have the see if people guess. I'd love yeah, to I, see what you think they are. The top three circles that we have our community focusing on. What do you think when you think about a thousand people going on a sixty-six day challenge together? What are the circles that you think are most common that people are focusing on? So I see business, I see financial, health, and business, health, money, health, personal, a lot of health, business, relationships. So I'm seeing a common theme, which yeah. is a lot of people saying health, business, and relationships. What did the data actually say? So you were correct to think health. Health is always the number one thing that people tend to focus on because it's one area of your life that when you get that right and when you're feeling strong and healthy in your body, a lot more becomes possible. So yes, you're correct. Health was the num- number one thing. It was then personal life. And then the third was spiritual which I was very surprised by the fact that while our community is full of high performers out in the business world and they're doing amazing things, they were working on habits for their internal self. That yeah. I thought that was very... Uh, it was just interesting and inspiring. Yeah. So those were the, th- the three biggies. And we thought that would just be interesting data to share with you. But if we focus on health, when we say thinking big and acting big, what we often see is um, somebody says, okay, I want to transform my health. And so they ask, well, what's the one thing I can do to transform my health? Well, they go, exercise. And so they say that their one thing is going to be to exercise every single day for an hour. Because in their mind, they go, if I did that, if I made a habit of exercising every day for an hour, my gosh, what kind of shape would I be in? It'd be amazing. The challenge is they don't have a track record of exercising for an hour every day. If we pay attention to what the focusing question of the book is, it's what's the one thing I can do such that by doing it, everything else would be easier or unnecessary. And the key is that I can do. What if you don't, what if you can't consistently, reliably exercise an hour every day, seven days a week? You're setting yourself up for failure. And so the, the opportunity is to still think big about being the type of person who has the habit of daily exercise, but go small and trust that the dominoes will fall. So how do we go smaller? Well, what's the one thing you can do to exercise every day? Well, I'd have to wake up earlier. Okay, well, how would you know if you woke up earlier? Oh, I'd be up by 5.30 a.m. Okay, well, what's the one thing you can do to be up by 5.30 a.m.? I'd go to bed earlier. 
well, how would you know if you were successful? I'd be in bed by 10 p.m. Okay, well, what's the one thing you can do to be in bed by 10 p.m.? I'd, I'd, I'd turn the TV off by 9.30. That's a lead domino, folks. Turning the TV off or turning the lights off in my bedroom or getting into my bed by a certain time makes getting up earlier easier. And if you get up earlier, then you are more likely to get to the gym. And if you do get to the gym, you're more likely to do something that would over time transform your health. And what was interesting, this is this is one of the, the powerful things about being in a community that's designed around this, is so many of the people, because we also looked at the data behind when they said physical health or when they said spiritual, when they said personal, the specific activity, what was one of the most common themes we saw among people who chose physical health as a circle? It was tracking their food, tracking everything right. they consume. That's one. Um Meditation was one that some people put in physical health, some people put spiritual, some people put in personal. So it was one activity that for different people reflected a different part of their life that they were working on. Yeah. And and I remember on our, our coaching call with them earlier this week, a lot of people said it was waking up earlier, going to bed earlier. You know, a year ago when we did a webinar like this, that was we consistently saw workout every day or workout an hour a day, and people have learned to go smaller. So one of the things we want to give you permission walking away from this webinar is whatever you think that first domino is, ask yourself the question, is this really one thing that I can do? Can I do it every day? And, and remove the judgment, remove any shame or feeling like you ought to be able to do something and actually ask, what can you do? And make the mark of success there. Build some momentum. Because it's more about progress than the idea of perfection. And Jeff, I want to point out a little detail in that that way, like turning off the television at 9 p.m., it may not seem like a linear path to washboard abs, right? Like that, they don't seem like they line up right away. But by going so far back, you're setting yourself up for success and you're setting yourself up to have everything to make it easy to go work out. And so I think that that thinking too big, sometimes we want it to be. We just want that outcome so bad that we just want to knock over that domino when really sometimes it's a little bit more counterintuitive. That's right. That's right. So the, the first common mistake or challenge that people have is they try to go after too many things. The second thing is they go too big when they really need to just go small and trust that the dominoes will fall. The, the third thing is um, people really struggle with the idea of if they're choosing the wrong one thing or the right one thing. How many of you have ever found that that you're really questioning if you're focusing on the right one thing. If so, go ahead and put me in the chat box. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very, very common because guess what? You're high achievers. You're people who want more out of your life. You want to be on the right path. And, and part of this is um, you, you, you can't really know if it's the right one thing until you get into action. And, and a great story of this is a woman named Peggy that we worked with. One of the, the first trainings that we created was a solution called Time Blocking Mastery. This is a master course that helps you identify one thing and holds your hand on a 60-60 day challenge. And Peggy was somebody who was a founding member of this course. And when she looked at the seven circles of her life and she asked, okay, what's the one circle I'm going to focus on first? She took stock of her life. Um, she had just gone through a really rough period. Her husband of multiple decades suddenly passed away. And all of a sudden, she looks up and her world is rocked. And she's going, oh my gosh, um, this is a new chapter in my life. And so she made a really hard decision. She decided to move, quit her job on the East Coast, 
move to Newport Beach, start a new business and start a new life. And she said, the one thing I can do right now is, is pour into my business and make that really successful. That'll make everything else easier or necessary. And we said, great. Well, what's the one thing you can do for your business? And she said, I got to drive revenue. We said, okay, well, what's the one thing you can do to drive revenue? And she said, I have to lead generate every single day. And she, she put some qualifiers around that for how many calls or how much time it was. And that was going to be her one thing. And you fast forward about four weeks, every single day that she's trying to prospect and drive leads, she began to notice that when she was prospecting, she was always tired. And when, because she was prospecting, she was setting appointments. When she actually got in front of her prospects, she found that she was lacking confidence. And then she asked a really powerful question, which was, why? And it was in that moment that she began to realize that um, over the multiple decades that she was married to her husband, they had formed some very unhealthy habits in their lifestyle. And when she looked in the mirror, she didn't actually respect the woman she saw looking back at her. It was after four weeks of taking action that she suddenly realized that there was no way she could actually build a great business if she first and foremost didn't have her health. So she asked the question, what's the one thing I can do for my health? Work out five days a week. What's the one thing you need to work out five days a week? She said, I'll sign up for a boot camp class so that um, I've got an environment that supports my goals. And I've got money on the line and I've got accountability. Okay, well, what's the one thing you can do to make sure you get to the boot camp class? And she said, I can be in my gym clothes and out the office door by 5.33 p.m. Now, pay attention here, folks. The one thing to transform her health was to be in her clothes and out the door. If she got in the car and drove to Krispy Kreme and crushed a dozen donuts, she still would have earned an X on her calendar for the day. It wasn't about whether or not she worked out. The lead domino was, could she get in the clothes and out the door? But you fast forward six weeks, she drops 20 pounds. And something interesting happened. We call this the halo effect. All of a sudden, because she's exercising, she feels more energy. So when she's making her calls, she's got more energy and she's setting more appointments. And when she's in front of her prospects, because she's losing all this weight and she's got more energy, she feels more confident and she starts closing more deals. She focused on one thing, in the clothes, out the door. And not only did it form a habit around exercise and change her health, it actually spilled over into her business. You got to think big. Go small and trust that the dominoes will fall. Jeff, that story illustrates a, a question or the answer to a question from Dan. And he was saying, you know, in those examples, like our TV example for, is it is it turning off the TV that what we're measuring or is it the exercise? And like you said, that lead domino, I guess talk a little bit about what the lead domino is and why it leads to other things. Sure. Um, Dan, fantastic question. The goal is ultimately that you exercise, but because you began with, okay, health and worked backwards to exercise, and then you identified the domino before that, get up earlier. And you identified the domino before that, wake up earlier. Identify the domino before that, go to bed earlier. Because you have worked backwards, you've actually identified the progression of the dominoes. That way, you can make a stand and track your activities around that first one the small one that you can do. And somebody just asked the question, how do I know if it's a lead domino? And my answer to you is, if it's so small that it falls with the flick of a finger. It's not 
for those of you that have seen the book, the, the picture of the, the domino effect in the book, and I'll see if I can pull it up while we're talking, um, it's not the 18th domino. The 18th domino is the one that knocks down the Leaning Tower of Pisa. And what's interesting about this is that the Leaning Tower of Pisa, if you've seen it in real life, is actually leaning. Yet if any one of us were challenged to run up and to try to knock it down, none of us could. And this is what we're doing in our life. We say, oh, I'm going to exercise every day. I should be able to do that. It's leaning. I can get to the gym every day. But if you make that the mark of success, day after day after day, you're going to ram your head against the wall and wonder why it's not falling. And it's because you're actually not going small enough. You got to identify the two-inch domino. Nobody would trust that if you knock down a two-inch domino, that it could actually knock down the, uh, the Leaning Tower of Pisa or the Eiffel Tower or reach almost to the earth to the moon. But it can. Because over time, when things become easier or unnecessary, things compound. You build this momentum and it, it, it unleashes crazy things in your life. And we suggest if you don't know if it's a lead domino, try it out. There's no wrong answers here because you will learn through the process of doing it whether you need to go smaller. Yeah, and and that's the moral of the story is we would encourage you, especially those of you who struggle with perfectionism, make the best call you can to the best of your ability and start whacking away at it. And if it's not falling, you're gonna realize you can go smaller. And if it's falling, but like for Peggy, it was falling in her professional world but it helped her understand that she actually really needed to be focusing on health. She would have never connected those dots had she not gotten into motion. I, I, um, every night I read this book to my daughter, Daphne, she's six. And I believe there was a quote in here that said, um, you can be on the right track and still get run over if you're not moving. You gotta get into action, folks. Pick one and get started. So the two we've covered are that sometimes you can choose too many. Sometimes you make it too big. What's the third? The, the, and, the, and the third was this, this fear of choosing the wrong one thing. And our advice is pick one and get started. Yeah. Another thing that we run into is people have this kind of idea of what they want to achieve. And so they choose a habit that feels a little vague, but it, they hope that it'll point them in the right direction. Uh, do you have any examples of that, Jeff? Ask that one more time. A vague, a vague goal. Like, what are when people struggle to be successful because their habit is too vague? Um, what are some examples? Yeah, well, and I think this is this is we can get into some examples now of um, successful habits being formed and and ones that were challenged. And and I can share with you that um, I'm in the middle of a 66 day challenge, and that the goal is for me to become more empathetic because as I've taken stock on my life, I've realized, like I shared at the beginning, there is a ceiling over my achievement as a husband, as a father, and as a leader. And the one thing I can do that would make all of them easier or unnecessary is actually to be more empathetic, to be the type of person who puts myself in other people's shoes and helps them get what they want first. If I can do that, everything in life becomes possible. And I have failed three times on a 66-day challenge to make that a habit. This is my fourth attempt at it. And when I really think about why I failed the first three times, um, first was I was vague. I said, oh, I'm just going to be empathetic every day. But I didn't really get granular about what they, that meant. And the second was, um, it was too big. 
I couldn't actually demonstrate empathy every single day. It was not my natural state. And, and the third, I didn't have enough purpose behind it. There wasn't an, a, a compelling enough reason to demonstrate it. And that's changed recently. And Jeff, as you were talking about it, you were trying to demonstrate empathy, demonstrate an activity that you were also learning to do at the same time. That can be really hard to demonstrate something that you're still learning how to do. And sometimes we want to learn that skill by just doing it. But that's when getting really specific around like, what's the small activity that will help me get better at this and help me flex this muscle that I'm still learning how to use? Yeah. Yeah. And I I was having conversations with Jay about this at the end of last year. And I spent a lot of time thinking about, I failed three times. This is important to me. I need to make this happen. What's the one thing I can do? And the last go at it was I would just demonstrate empathy with one person every single day. Once a day, I would be empathetic with a person when I naturally wasn't. And that, that still was too big. I thought that was a lead domino. Nope, it was an 18th. That was my leaning tower of Pisa. But the one thing I can do is just once a day, put myself in another person's shoes. Once a day, I can ask the question, how is Kaylin feeling? How is Jenny feeling? How is Amy feeling? And search for the answer. And, and some interesting things have happened. I, I shared with Kaylin before we hit record on this, the, um, the other day, it was in the evening and I realized I hadn't done my one thing yet that day. And I was in the kitchen and I said, I need to... I need to ask, I need to put myself in somebody's shoes. And I look down and there is a little like three foot tall person standing there. His name's Dean. He's three years old, my son. And he's just looking at me and he's screaming at me. <laughs> he's so mad at me. Like he's, he's having a temper tantrum. He had way too much sugar and he was not listening to us. And normally like I am Mr. Standards, Mr. Accountability. I would start laying down the gauntlet and saying like, you need to do this or we're, we're going to time out. And instead of doing that, I asked the question, what's Dean feeling right now? I knew what his actions were saying. His actions were saying, I'm, I'm not behaving well. But what he was actually feeling is, I need attention. I feel lonely. I probably need a hug. And in that moment, because I asked that question when I normally wouldn't have, I got down on my knees and I looked at him and I said, buddy, do you need a hug? And he just went, Yes. And I gave him I gave him a hug and he just did not let go. Sure. And he stopped screaming. He completely calmed down. And it and it hit me so hard. Like how many other times in my in, in some of the relationships that are most important to me am I in my head just seeing their actions and um, making having a perception of what it means and re- responding or reacting to that versus pausing putting myself in their shoes, trying to figure out what they're actually thinking and helping them get what they want before I get what I want. How do you feel about your ability to be empathetic? How's it it been as you've had these moments that are teaching you big lessons and small, small actions? It's working. I mean, my wife even said to me the other day, you've been so helpful lately. I'm like, are you kidding me? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) It works. And it's it's the motivation, but I know I'm also eight days into a 66-day challenge. I know that in a few weeks, the novelty is going to wear off. I know the monotony of success is going to kick in. It's no longer going to be as exciting to do it. In fact, it's just going to get flat out hard. And that's when I really have to start looking at 
okay, what are the things I can do to keep the momentum going? So you bring up a great point because a lot of these sort of pitfalls that we've spoken about thus far are really choosing the right habit. But as you go down the path and you pass eight days and then it's like 20 days, the excitement fades. And if you're missing one thing, sometimes that the glittering like lure of the habit, you maybe will quit because you aren't you aren't in an environment that supports your goals. Oh yeah. We we've seen the data when we we've had about four thousand people go through time blocking mastery now. And we know statistically around week four, people have had momentum for an entire month. They've been doing their one thing. Sure, they've missed some days, but they've they've gotten back on the horse and they go, up, oh, it's a habit. I'm I'm gonna do my next 66 day challenge. But it's actually not a habit yet. They're not to the point that it would feel weird if they didn't do it. And what they're really saying is, I'm ready for something new and exciting. And they haven't earned the right to go there yet. The monotony of success is real. Oh, yeah. And the shiny new object. I mean, this at this moment, as we're in the eighth day of our 66-day challenge, I'm feeling pretty pumped. My daily walk habit, I've gone on two walks every day. And I just wanted to go on one. But I'm like, all in. And yet, I know that that's because this momentum right now that I'm feeling, I've got to ride it and I've got to love it but also expect and set myself up for the time when it doesn't feel so exciting and to come up with contingency plans for when I don't want to go on a walk. Yeah. Yeah. And there's something important to point out there, Kaylin. You make the mark of success. How many walks a day? One. Right. One walk. It doesn't mean... And it can be short. (laughs) Yeah. And it doesn't mean that you have to stop at one. Your track record says it's two. Yet, if you had made the mark of success two... And you only did one, how would you feel? Crummy. Crummy. So this is the difference, folks, between making the mark of success something that's small. You can always exceed it and you're just going to feel like a champion. But if you set the bar too high at the beginning and you consistently underperform, you will start to think that this doesn't work when you just actually didn't work the system. Um, Francisco asked a great question, which is, is there another domino behind being empathetic. And Francisco, for me, that was the third attempt, which failed. This one is once a day, can I put myself in a person's shoes? And I measure that by asking, did I ask the question, how are they feeling right now? What's going on in their world that I might be, that they might be thinking about, that I can think about? Once a day, can I just put myself in their shoes by asking a question? If I can do that, it actually makes it easier for me to be in their shoes. And if I do that, I'm more likely to be aware of something that I might not have consciously been aware of, which would prompt me to then take an action, like give a hug, call an employee, um, listen to my wife instead of just talking at her, like listening to her rather than trying to solve her problem, which is shocking. How many of you women out there, how many of you men have, have yet to figure out that women don't want you to solve their problem, they just want you to listen? I think I'm just figuring this one out. It's taking me a while. Uh, it's crazy. So let, let, let's recap here. They're, they're, the common mistakes, we choose too many. We go way too big or we're too vague. Um, we have this fear around choosing the wrong one thing. So let's get into some pro tips for you. The, the first thing that we would suggest is purpose. Why are you doing what you're doing? How many of you heard the uh, podcast episode that went out with Jeff Gray uh, a few weeks ago? Or talked about the habit, the challenges behind forming a habit. Yeah, so he shared that his first 66-day challenge that he went on was to run every day. 
And once he made that commitment, he ran every day for 66 days when he had zero track record of running. He did not miss a single day. On day 67, he stopped running and he has not run a day since. And he asked a really powerful question. Why? It was in that moment he said he wanted to run because it was for vanity. Like he wanted to get in better shape. He wanted to have abs. Like, but it wasn't actually what was important to him. His ego allowed him to complete 66 days, but it wasn't important enough that he became the type of person who ran. My track record says three times prior to this, I didn't have enough purpose behind demonstrating empathy. I have it now. There are things that have happened in my life that have forced me to say, this really, really matters. So my question for you, for those of you who are on a 66-day challenge, I would ask the question, why does doing that one thing matter to you? Kaylin, why does going on a walk matter to you? For me, historically, it's been a habit that I used to have, Mm. but my life has shifted. And sometimes that happens when you have a new environment, like sometimes old systems and old habits evaporate. And I was sort of looking at my life and realizing that my sense of like calm and peace of mind comes when I get to go on out and walk out when I get to go out on a walk because mm-hmm. I can just walk and I don't have to listen to other other thoughts or any other things. I just get into a meditative zone. So even the decision for me to just go out the door and walk, even if it's to the end of the driveway and back, it's saying that my peace of mind matters. Mm-hmm. And for me, that act of going on a walk is actually sort of an act of self-care. And even just the decision to do it is important to me. There you go. You've got a great reason for it. So folks, we would really challenge you to make sure that whatever you do, that there's a reason why you're doing it. And Kaylin, you touched on something that is another huge element of being successful. And that's making sure that your environment supports your goals. I mean, you were in an environment prior to this job where you could go on the walk and you move to Austin, you're in a brand new company, a brand new building, and you had not you'd yet to consciously make this environment support that goals. And the environment comes in multiple places. It's it's the space that you're in, it's also the people you're around. I'm curious how many of you who are in here are are a part of a community. And community can mean one other person, or many, it's maybe more that are very conscious around habit formation and would be there to cheer you on when you're doing great and would also be there not only to um, pick you up when you fall, but to also remind you that you deserve more. Folks, this, this is why this organization exists, by the way. We were having a conversation in Jay's office. When was our strategy meeting with him? Was it Tuesday morning? Monday morning? It was just yesterday. <laughs> time flies. We're having a good time. <laughs> And we were saying, like, what does it mean to be in living your one thing? And the answer was, it's a community that supports you. It's a support structure. It's a place where you are not crazy to think that um, your priorities do not live in your email. <laughs> it's a place that says that no is not a bad word, that it's actually a powerful word. It's a place where we don't rely on discipline and willpower, but we actually believe in habit formation and we support one another. It's why we're doing a 66-day challenge together. So whether you're a member or not, we challenge you. Where is your community? How can you can you go out and find one person that can support you? That they 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 can internalize these principles and be your partner in this. Look, partner. 
There he is. But for, for those of you, if, if, if you'd like to check out more, you can go to the one thing.com slash community. And every now and then you might get Jay walking in on you. It could be really exciting. <laughs> Jeff, I wanted to just point something out because we talked we talk a lot about being in an environment that supports our goals. And what I have underestimated how much value it's brought me to be in other people's corner mm. and to be the supporter of so many people doing amazing things. Like even just today, I got to talk to one of our members who she's going, she's doing all these amazing habits and she spoke about the impact that it's made in her life. And I get to A, get to share in that victory and B, just get to be there and say, yeah, we got this. How else can we support? Yeah. Yeah. It's um, fill in the blank. It's better to give than to receive. This is one of the crazy things. With We all want to receive support, yet it pales in comparison to the purpose and fulfillment that we feel when we give it. And so I, I would just ask you, not only do you, are you receiving the support that you need, but are you in a position where you can turn around and actually give it as well? And what would that do for you? So when we talk about these, these important things to, for your success, uh, we talked about the idea of having purpose behind what you do. We talked about the idea of having an, an environment that supports your goals, whether that's the physical space, whether that's also your community. Um, the other idea is this idea of triggers, which is perfect for Jay to come in. Jay, why don't you tell the, the BJ Fogg story and, and triggers? Okay, sure. It's funny. I just got his new book, um, Tiny Habits, that just came oh. out. I know, super excited. I've been waiting for that for like seven years. <laughs> um, his whole research, he runs the Behavior Lab at Stanford. And his big research idea was that piggybacking habits, triggers, using triggers is the best way to form a new one. So he got 10,000 people to start flossing their teeth, getting them first to put their floss by the toothbrush. And the idea is after I brush my teeth, I will floss one tooth. And tiny, like one tooth, right? Not all my teeth, just one tooth, build momentum. And he understood that if people took the time to grab the floss, they can cry victory after doing just one, but most of the time they're going to floss their teeth. And so that idea of basically taking a cab ride on another established habit that's that's the yeah. trigger the new the first habit is the trigger and that tells me now it's time to do this other thing that's a great way to strategize your new habit yeah i'm curious just my sheer curiosity how many of you currently have the habit of flossing your teeth does like three days a week count for me? Like I just don't do it every day. <laughs> it's, My mom's a dental hygienist. I really try. The, I really try. The data shows most of the people not not so much. So when you say this idea of ten thousand people forming a habit of flossing, I mean there's there's really something to that. It, Jay, in your life, has there ever been a time that you formed a habit by leveraging triggers? Uh, lots of them. So when my wife and I wanted to establish the habit of gratitude with our family and our kids, um, we had already established the habit of six days a week, um, we eat dinner together at the table. And that was a ritual that we made sure that they were aware of, no TV. We only have, on Friday nights was movie night. That was the exception. And we actually eat breakfast together as well. We tried to all sit down at the table, no devices. So it took a lot of time with two kids, right, to make that a habit. But... The next habit was when we sit down at the dinner table before we could eat, what's one thing everybody's thankful for? Mm. And, you know, we just role modeled it. Wendy and I could say things like, we're thankful to have a home. We're thankful to have a great family or work that we love. And Gus would be like, I love my Xbox or right. <laughs> and Veronica would be like, I like dinosaur eggs, whatever was on their mind. But it's now just a habit. When we have strangers at the dinner table, they'll say, what are you thankful for today? Which is really cool. 
Yeah, that's really cool. I'm curious, how many of you who are on this live, how many of you have formed a habit based on a trigger and what was it? I would, I would love to see that. Um, I'll, I'll share a personal example. Uh, exercise is something that I've told myself mattered, but my track record said it didn't. Um, and when I actually started tracking it, I mean, I was struggling to get even four days a month at the gym, but then something interesting happened. My my daughter got to school age and all of a sudden she started going to the bus. And I drop her off at the bus and I realized, oh my gosh, it's 6.45 in the morning. What if I dropped her off and then just went to the gym? And that one trigger, I mean, last year, Jay challenged me. My goal was to do 200 times. And about halfway through the year, you saw I was ahead. And what did you ask me to do? Oh gosh, don't put me on the spot like this. What did I ask you to do, Jeff? <laughs> You said, raise the bar. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Don't sandbag it. You can do better than that. That's right. Yeah. But it, it's, it, it's now at the point where it feels weird if I don't. And so this, I think there's a lot of power behind if you can get clear about why forming the habit matters. If you can pay attention to your environment and make sure it's set up to support you, whether that's the physical space or the people. And if you can look at the established habits you already have and just add something to it, whether it's tacking something onto brushing your teeth, tacking something onto sitting down as a family, What's that thing you could add to so that it would just be so much easier for you? What are some of the questions that you all have? You've got three of us here. We've got 13 minutes left. How do we serve you? So Jeff, Debbie asked, can you give me an example of a, tr- of a trigger for a revenue generation? Yeah. Debbie, do you check your email every day? I think the answer is yes. Can you make one call before you check your email? When you open your computer, we all open our computers. Can you just Look for somebody, the contact information of somebody to call before you look to see what's waiting in your inbox. There's one idea. Well, I mean, there's a, I'm sure there's a lot of real estate agents. There's a guy in our industry that started a whole business by saying, oh, by the way. So basically, every time you have a conversation with a stranger, you had to say, oh, by the way, and ask for business. <laughs> that was his whole coaching program, everything. I like that. Writing that down. <laughs> I can I can remind you. What? All right. What you else do we have? Tell me what, once, man. What other questions do you have? Whether it's that you're trying to decide your first habit or you're trying to identify what the lead domino is, get specific because we can help you. Let's go do some of these. Mm. This is my ma. I love how Scott shared that uh, helping helping others with their one thing has helped him with his. It's very interesting. Very nice. You know what, though? If you are willing to step out and lead um, a group of people doing this on a local level in your family, there's a lot of accountability and being the ringleader because now you have to at least succeed or fail publicly. And both of them are good for us, right? We're going to work. We're going to be a lot more accountable towards our goals. Yeah. So so Cindy shared that she's still trying to find her first. And the the guidance we would give you, Cindy, um, and and any of you can do this. If you guys go to our website, if you go to theonething.com, on the training page at the very top, we've got some free courses. They're called basics courses. There's one for a 66-day challenge. And in that, we'll, we'll show you the seven circles. And we'll walk you through the process of saying, great, if you could only pick one circle, which would it be? And then ask the focusing question. Great, if it is physical health, what's the one thing you can do for it? And you keep asking that focusing question until you arrive at a two-inch domino. And at that, choice, at that point, you've got an option. Like, Do you want to use a 66-day challenge calendar, which you can get on the free stuff page? For those of you that have a one-thing planner, you can track it in there. Get started. Just get started. Pick one thing and get started. And when do you think you should get started? The answer is today. In the morning. 
No, I love it. I mean, I think that the best time to form new habits is usually early in the day when you have willpower. And I know Jeff and I, you and I have taught this a lot of times. A lot of people who go pick something, do they pick the first domino or they 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 get a little ahead of themselves? Yeah, they go to the 18th. There's no, there's no um, habit too small, right? And so those triggers and everything that you can do, you can go really small and build on that success versus say, I'm going to go exercise for an hour every morning. Why don't you just say, I'm going to get to the gym every morning, right? I was listening to a woman, Wendy, and I can't think of her name. She has a book called Good Habits, Bad Habits. I heard her on Fresh Air. And she was talking about when she was a mom and trying to remember to get up early and and go run. Like her trick was always, she just, her habit was to put on her running clothes and go to sleep in them. (laughs) Because <laughs> if she woke up in her running clothes, she would go running. And you've heard variations, you know, put your running yeah. shoes by the bed. So you have to step into totally. them. So just you can set yourself up for success with a really small idea that leads to a big outcome. Yeah. Uh, Rodrigo asked a really interesting question. I'd love your take on this, Jay. How do you convince your significant other to form habits? Um, one, I would ask, is it your job as a partner um, to be their coach or to be their support? So I think the number one thing you can do is invite them, say, I'd love to do this with you, but you certainly don't have to, and then demonstrate growth. And when they see you doing well over time, it's like with a kid, right? Eventually, you want them to ask, what exactly are you doing? How does this work? Because when they're actually curious and interested themselves, they're going to be a lot more willing to engage. So... Invite curiosity, always make them feel welcome. Don't make them feel guilty. If they have an issue, you're there to support them first. That's my philosophy. Um, And go be successful and encouraging. And eventually, knock on wood, they'll ask, okay, so where would I start? And I've heard many, many stories of people who resisted and resisted because one person was in this group, the community, they were getting all of this and the other person was dragging their heels. And eventually they kind of broke down and said, how do I start? And that's a really wonderful thing because now they've invited you to help them versus you inviting yourself. Yeah. Yeah, it can feel intimidating to get started because you are already at this level where you understand the value and to start from that place can be really hard. So I totally agree. Just continue to invite. Yeah. Um, What were you going to say, Jeff? Rashida asked a question. What advice do you have in developing habits when life circumstances, whether it be sickness or kids, throw your curveball and take you off track? It's one of the reasons we start small. Um, it was fun. We got to see Gary teach this week, right? Mm-hmm. And he talked about front-loading your weeks because you just don't know the unexpected is going to happen. That's one of the reasons starting small gives you some grace because that day that the kids got sick or you feel horrible, you could just floss one tooth and feel like you didn't lose momentum. Yeah. Um, I usually tell people, uh, if your kids are sick, um, you're one thing to go be with your kids. So that, that is a higher priority and it's the right thing to do. But then you can also get right back on. I like to double up. If I miss a day, can I double up the next day? Um, and then try to feel like I'm back on track. If you have the flu, don't go like keep your five mile a day <laughs> pattern with the flu and end up with pneumonia. That's not that's not the right thing. So be responsible and acknowledge that life sometimes going to throw you a curve. And it happens to all of us. And how we deal with it is really how we'll eventually keep going and keep our positive attitude and keep being successful. But like a five-day delay because you had the flu, yeah, it's going to be setting you back. It's not going to stop you unless you let it. 
Yeah, uh, Francisco put an interesting comment in here, which um, for those of you who heard the, the podcast episode that just went live with James Clear, he talks about really um, something that's important is to f- not focus on the specific action, but it's it's about who's the person you want to become. And I think a lot of people can get tied up in, I want to work out every day, I'm gonna or I'm going to do abs every single day. But no, no, who's the type of person you want to become? I'm the type of person who breaks a sweat every day. I'm the type of person who is present with my family. How, how has that shown up for you, Jay? Well, I was going to say, I got to spend time with him. And I, I love that. When Even when I interviewed him, he mentioned that. I think the trap is people get caught up and I want to run a marathon mm-hmm. um, or I want to do a 100 push-up challenge. And all of the things you actually you just role modeled are kind of things you'd say, I'd just rather focus on being the kind of person who works out every day or breaks a sweat every day. And a lot of those other outcomes become possible. The challenge when you're trying to build towards a specific goal, I want to run a marathon. When you're done with the marathon, what are you going to do? Some people go on to run many. I can tell you, this guy ran a marathon in 1997. How many marathons have I done since then? Zero, right? Um, I'm in the Clydesdale division. I'm not going to run fast and I'm big and heavy and it's going to hurt my knees. (laughs) And so I was like, you know what? But I did it because I was checking a box. That's the truth of it. And it was great and it was transformative and I learned a lot about myself. But I could have also said, I'm just going to be the kind of person who wants to get some great exercise every day and I choose to run doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, Both are valid. I think he makes a really strong argument that making a lifestyle choice tends to be more long lasting than these really acute sprint goals to a very specific target. Yeah. Very common question Mike asked is, um, if you miss a day, do you have to start over? And how do you know if you need to start over on a 66-day challenge? Can I stump you on that? Yeah. So if you miss a day, and Jay, you sort of touched on it a minute ago. When you miss a day, just do it again the next day. Like Rather than maybe you can double up. The idea is to not lose momentum. But if you miss two, you may have lost momentum and you should maybe start. Sometimes yeah. it depends on the nature, right? If it's, I want to walk a mile, you know, every day or whatever, 10,000 steps and I, I got 8,000. Can you do, you know, 12,000 the next day and feel like you're still on pace? Some things are cumulative and you really haven't lost any momentum just because you traded a little bit. I try to, I try like you, like I, if I cheat yeah. all the time, I'm not really following the yep. program. The opposite of that is if I'm trying to quit smoking or I'm trying to like quitting heavy drugs or something like there's a, a fall off the wagon moment where you need to hit reset. Okay. Yeah. This broke down. I broke something that I was said I wasn't going to do. Now I need to reset and make sure that I can do this again. Cause those tend to be much harder. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. It really not to be too nonced about it, but well, and something to remember is that it's just the first 66 days. Yeah. The idea is that you do this habit forever moving forward and that it becomes so habitual that you don't even think about it. So as you're getting started, if you miss a day, if you miss two, like realize that these are the first 66 days of the next forever days. Yeah. So I think that that um, it gives yourself a little bit more permission to just say this is about building the habit, not just about the the challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The advice James Clear gave us was if you miss a day, just don't miss twice. If you miss today, just be really clear that you're not going to miss tomorrow. Because if that happens, keep riding the wave, baby. But Jay and I have both experienced where all of a sudden a week goes by and you did, you just completely forgot to do that one thing. And you're going, okay, I got to start over. And when that happens, folks, I mean, it's way harder 
the first time you've got novelty and that novelty will give you momentum. But if you fail and time goes by and you have to restart, it's much harder. Mm-hmm. Another question that we get a lot is if it's just a habit that I want to do during my work week, or if it doesn't happen every day, if it's just a weekly habit, how do, how do you tackle that? Do it five days a week. Yeah. And I think you can make that your 66 days. Like every work day counts as a day and your weekends are gaps that you don't, they just are continuous. I think it's a little weird because like I, one of our rituals for many years was to do our net worth habit and that was a monthly habit. And so, you know, like 66 months, I don't know what that looks like. Um, that's where I get, I, I, I'm even clueless, but I do think the most common is, is what about a five-day-a-week habit versus a seven? I don't think it makes a material difference. Well, and sometimes those habits that happen five days a week, they're harder to form because you're only doing it in that location or when you go to work. And so in that monthly habit, it's when it doesn't feel... When it feels weird if you don't do it, that you know it's a habit. The trick for those, that is where I would try to use other things like, okay, the monthly habit. Well, the first Saturday of every month. And the first Saturday becomes a kind of trigger. If it's only happening when I'm in the office, then okay. Um, the moment I get to my desk with a cup of coffee or whatever, like something that you already already going to do every single yeah. day, when that happens, that becomes my trigger. So you can use more than one technique, right? It's going to happen between eight and nine, and I'm going to make it when these things come together because they're I'm already habit stacking. Yeah. Um, you can you can build those things on each other. So let, let's fly up to 10,000 feet because we're coming to the end of our time. We want to recap for you. Um, we know some of the common challenges. People choose too many at the same time. They, they go too big. They worry about if they've chosen the right or wrong one thing. And the opportunity, pick one. And when you pick it, go small. And if you're questioning if it's the right or one thing, use your best judgment. Get started. And because you're in action, it will illuminate whether you're going down the right path and you always earn the right to shift. And the things you can do to boost your odds of success, first and foremost, tie purpose to it. Why are you doing what you're doing? Can you make sure that you have an environment that supports your goals? And can you attach it to something you already do as a trigger? If you'd like more information about how to join us, we just kicked off a 66-day challenge in our community. Uh, go to the one thing.com slash community, and you can learn more about that. And we're happy to engage with you there. Thanks so much. And we look forward to being with you next month for our next webinar. Well, there you have it, our One Thing webinar on why 66 days can transform your year. Out of everything that we covered here, folks, what's the one aha, the single biggest aha you had that would make the biggest impact for you? Would you take the time to pause the episode and really identify it? Out of everything you heard, what's one thing that really stood out that if you were able to put that into action, everything else would be easier or unnecessary? as I reflect on my time with this organization, each one of these really stands out and they affected me at a point in time in my life, one at a time. Recently, it's been purpose. You know, when I think about the the 66-day challenge I'm on right now for empathy, I just didn't have a big enough reason why to be successful the first three times I tried. And it got to the point when it was it was easier to not do that one thing than it was to stick with it. But now that I have a clear purpose that's compelling, a reason to succeed, failure's not an option. I've got to do that every single day because I know what's at stake if I don't do it. We hope that this brings more clarity for you so that you can form habits because, man, I so much becomes possible when you become the type of person 
who can take something that's important and make it a habit. And that's what we want for you. If you'd like to get started, head over to the one thing.com on the free stuff page. You can get the 66 day challenge calendar on the training page. You will see a free training on the 66 day challenge and you can join us in living your one thing. So we can support you as you make that one thing, something powerful that sticks. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. If you'd like to join us on our next webinar with Patrick Sweeney to learn how you can take those things that you might be fearful of and turn them into your fuel, go to the one thing.com slash webinar. If you're new to the One Thing Podcast, welcome. Please click the subscribe button so all future episodes are automatically downloaded. And while you're at it, will you consider leaving us a rating and review? It would mean the world to us. We read every single one and it helps us reach more people and fulfill our purpose of helping people have a relationship with their goals. Thanks so much for being with us. And we look forward to being with you in the next episode.